This is Redemption Radio with Pastor Cody King of Redemption Calvary in Commerce City, Colorado. Here's a preview from Pastor Cody of today's message. If you love God, you'll love what He loves. And here's just something to grasp. He loves His church. God loves His church so much, He's willing to give His only Son to die for the church. Jesus loves you, loves the church so much, He's willing to sacrifice Himself to torturous death. That's the depth of love and the gravity of love that Jesus has. And so for me to say, well, I love God, I just don't really, I just don't really want anything to do with the church, that's hypocritical love. It's not true love. In today's message, Pastor Cody speaks about the different types of love, with the most difficult to understand being agape. It means to love unconditionally. The only one who can truly love unconditionally is God Himself. But we should try to love that way too. We should extend to everyone the same love that Christ showed us. We might not always be able to do that, but that doesn't mean it's a worthless effort. And it especially doesn't mean we should try to change what agape actually means. Now. Turn in your Bible to the book of Romans chapter 12 and join Pastor Cody for today's edition of Redemption Radio. Okay, so go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of Romans. We're going to continue on our study through Romans. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. All you need is love. All you need is love. All you need is love. Love? Love is all you need. <laughs> that, that wasn't me, that was the Beatles, <laughs> right? We intrinsically kind of know that we need love, right? That's this important, vital thing in our lives. Now, while I understand the emphasis on the idea of needing love, you do need a few more things like maybe some food, maybe some clothes, right? There's a few more things that you do need. But the capacity to give and receive love is something that makes us unique among all creation, right? This is something that sets us apart. And the reason why is because God, we're told in 1 John chapter 4, that God, in fact, is love. And so this idea of us being able to give and receive love is part of our being made in the likeness an image of God. It's as image bearers of God that we're able to do this. Now, while we intrinsically know that love is vital, we tend to have a really difficult time with uh, identifying it. And there's a lot of confusion with what love actually is. There are lots and lots of ideas about it and defining it can be elusive. In fact, Webster's dictionary defines love as a strong affection for another arising out of kinship and personal ties. This is the concept of love that the world primarily ascribes to. Your friends, your, your family members, your neighbors. When you say the word love, this is primarily what they're thinking. It's some sort of emotional response. Uh, culturally, this vague emotional definition has not only made love kind of reduced in terms of what it really is, but it actually has turned into a weapon that people use to justify their sinfulness. They, they actually use the idea of love for that, and they demand that you celebrate the sin of others. People say things like this, this blank, this sin in my life makes me happy. Therefore, if you love me or if you are loving in general, you will celebrate my sin with me. It's, it's love has turned into, it's been degraded from what it actually is into a weapon to celebrate sinfulness. And if you don't, then you're labeled as a hateful bigot. 
Even though you're not, that, that has nothing to do with being hateful or, or bigotry uh, because you won't celebrate their sin. And when we disconnect the definition of love from the one who is love and try to create our own definition, we actually pervert and destroy what love truly is. And so this morning in Romans chapter 12, we're actually going to look at the idea of love. And here's our big idea. It's this, that love is a supernatural act of God toward you that he intends to reflect through you. This is the concept we're looking at in Romans 12, 9 through 21. So let's read it together, and then we'll go back through and uh, break it down. All right. Romans 12, 9 says this, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another in brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the opportunity to open your word. God, we thank you for uh, how good your word is. God, we thank you that just by reading your word, it, it fills our hearts. It fills our souls with a sense of what is right and what is appropriate. And God, we pray that you would give us your understanding. We pray that you would help us to uh, enter into that, that place where we are in your presence, that we would um, take part in what you tell us in, in Second Peter, that we would grow in the grace and knowledge of you, Lord Jesus. And in doing so, that we wouldn't just get information, but that we would be transformed. That we wouldn't just go through an academic exercise, but that you would actually cause us to be like you. Lord, we know that that's a miraculous thing we ask for. And so we pray that you would do your work in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're going to look at Romans 12, 9 through 21 in three parts, all right? The first part is 9 through 13, family and love. The second part, 14 through 18, hostility and love. And then the third part, 19 through 21, enemy and love. Now, like I said before, the word love has a tendency to have a lot of confusion surrounding it. And, you know, Partially, that's because we only have one word for this idea of love. I can say, I love In-N-Out Burger because I'm saved. And I'm so glad that In-N-Out's coming to Colorado soon. I can say, I love my dog, this precious little tiny... I never thought I would love such a tiny, dumb thing. But anyway, I love it so much. I can say, I love my children. I can say, I love my wife. I can say, I love big lifted trucks, right? But all of those are different kinds of love. I can't say that I love in and out the same way I love my wife. Otherwise, I'm going to have marital problems. Guys, there's a tip for you. That's a free one. Those are different, okay? 
Now, in the Greek language, there are four different kinds of love, okay? Three of them are used in the New Testament. There are four basic kinds of love in the Greek language. And so they would be able to explain love just by using the kind of word. Now, the the first one uh, is eros, which is where we determine uh, or derive erotic from. This one isn't used in the New Testament at all. Uh, the second one would be phileo. This is brotherly love, like the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's fondness. It's uh, friendship kind of a thing. Storge is uh, the third one. That's familial love, like the way that, that uh, parents love their kids or the way like a husband and wife would love or, or that, or you love your brothers and sisters. That's that family kind of a love. And then the fourth one is agape. And this is a supernatural, sacrificial, unconditional kind of commitment love. It's a unilateral kind of a love. It has nothing to do with the other person. It has everything to do with who you are and and that kind of a, a love. Now, cultural love is a feeling that happens to you. That's cultural love. Whereas biblical love is an action that happens through you. This is a vastly different idea when we're talking about the idea of love. So when the Bible says love here, right? Verse 9, it says, love, let love be without hypocrisy. So that idea of love is introduced for us right from the beginning, and we've got to get straight on what we mean when we say love because it's not a feeling that happens to you, right? If you look at the rest of the things that are taking place that are describing love, none of them are emotional things that happen to you. They're all actions that happen through you because that's what biblical love is. These are vastly different Concept. So let's look at this first piece together, family and love, verses 9 through 13. Now we're continuing in chapter 12 through 15 of our breakdown of the book of Romans. Chapters 12 through 15 are really targeting the will of God. And we spent our time in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, identifying the will of God generally. Just what's the general idea of the will of God. And now as we're continuing through the rest of these chapters, we're getting into the intrinsic or the, the really detailed concepts of what God's will is and how it is that God's will is practically worked out. And when we see here, it says, let love be without hypocrisy. What is your guess as to which of those four Greek words, what is that one? Which one do you think it is? It's agape. It's not, we're not talking about arrows. I already told you that one. That, that one was checked, checked off the list already. That one's not in the New Testament. It's not phileo. It's not brotherly love. It's not uh, uh, storge, familial love. It's agape Love. That's what he's talking about. Let this agape be without hypocrisy. Now, here's something that's really interesting about this word, agape love. This word has been used in Romans uh, already as we've studied through this, but it's only been used in terms of God's love for people. It's never been used in terms of people's love for people. It's only been used in terms of God's love for you. And now here in Romans chapter 12, there's a shift. Now God is saying, the love I've given you, you give to other people. That's because we are not manufacturers of God's love. You're just a distributor. That's all you are. You don't create it. You don't make it. You don't produce it. You don't try really hard. You don't say, I've just got to be more loving. No, that's not the way that it works. The world says, you know what you need to do? You first need to love yourself. That's nonsense. That is not true. That when you focus on that, you become more and more depressed. You fall more and more into nonsense. Here's what you need. You need to receive God's love. And having received God's love and living in that love, then you give that love out. When you rest in the fact of being loved, then you can give the love of God. You don't have to produce it. You don't have to manufacture it. You just receive it 
and give it out. Now notice he says there, here's the qualifier, let love be without hypocrisy. This word hypocrisy or the hypocrite, it uh, comes from the, the ancient Greek culture and essentially it's talking about plays. And uh, when they had plays, they would be up on a stage and the way that the actors would uh, uh, act is they would use large overly dramatic masks. And so they would hold masks up in front of their faces in order to identify as a certain character, all right? So they'd be overly dramatic and really, really crazy. And uh, that way you would know. And so so that those were the hypocrites, okay? You're like, wow, that sounds so terrible. It, didn't, it wasn't terrible to them. It's just what they called them, okay? Because they were playing a part. And so too, that has become what we know as hypocrites because they're playing Apart. Maybe you've done this or you know somebody that's done this where they seem one way, but really there's something else hidden behind. You see, um, these, these, uh, these fake, uh, these actors are, are playing a fake part. They're just playing a part. And here's the reality. Fake love is not godly love. That's what he's saying. Let love be without hypocrisy. We can't have fake love. It has to be genuine. It has to be actually real. Now, hypocritical love can be a lot of different things, but here's how Skip Heitzig says it. The church, the family of God, must never become a stage that is filled with fake love. Can't we do that? Isn't it easy for that to become what we do at church? Hey, brother, how's it going? Oh, it's, it's good. Oh, praise God, you know, or whatever. And we, we put on our fake masks and we try to just pretend like everything's okay in our lives or like I'm really concerned with you, but I'm really not. I'm actually, I really couldn't, you know, I say, hi, how are you doing? But I don't mean, how are you doing? I mean, please say something quick so I can walk away. That's not real love, right? That's fake hypocritical love. Now, hypocritical love can be a number of things. And here in in this section in Romans, there's three different things that I'll point out to you. It can be pretending to use your spiritual gifts. Now, why do I say that? Because previously in verses three through eight, the context of what we're looking at here in Romans 12, nine is that it follows this section on spiritual gifts. And when you pretend to use your spiritual gifts, not for the sake of others, but to puff yourself up, you're hypocritically loving. Because your gift was given to you, not for you. It was given to you for them. And when you use your gift to exalt, glorify, magnify, love yourself, it's hypocritical love. Your your gift was given not for you, it was for other people. Not to puff you up, but to build them up. And then notice also it says here, let love be without hypocrisy. And notice that word there, abhor what is evil. That's a very strong word for hate. That's what abhor is hate strongly. We don't really use that very often, but maybe you can work that into your vocabulary. Abhor what is evil. Now, here's the thing. When we make excuses for, make room for, or celebrate what God says is evil, it's hypocritical love. We might be, we might be saying, well, this is loving, but it actually is not. It's, it's fake, hypocritical love. Here's a, here's a weird way to say this. To truly love actually involves hate. Isn't it weird how those words are put together? Love and hate are put together in the same verse. Love and hate have to go together. If you're going to love the way God loves, you're going to have to hate what God hates. That's the only way it works. You can't make room for what God hates and say that you're in love, that you're acting in love. It doesn't work that way. That is to, that is to pervert and destroy what really, what love actually is. 
So we can't redefine love or redefine good and say, well, this is good because of what's what I say or it's because of what culture says is good. Good has to be determined by what God says. And we go toward that. And that's where we come to this, this third part. Notice in verse 9, cling to what is good. The word cling is like cement. It's like putting things together. that They're cemented together. You can't get them apart. They're stuck together uh, so intrinsically that you can't separate them. They actually become unified. They become one. And our refusal to actually do what God does and what he commands is fake love. That, that when I say, yeah, I, I, I love you, Lord. I, I love you know what, what you do. I love your people or whatever and we just go through the motions, it's actually religious pretending. It's, it's this going through the motions that really isn't love. And so we've got to actually cling to what is good in order for this to take place. Matthew Henry says it this way, hypocrisy is to do the devil's work in God's uniform. Wow, that's a, that's a pretty powerful way to say that. It's to do the devil's work in God's uniform. Now, in verse 10, what we see here is that through this section, there are, of 13 verses that we're looking at today, there are 30 commands that are given to us. Three zero, 30 commands. We are not going to be able to look at all of these commands in detail. So we're not going to do that. We're not going to individually look at all of them. But we, we are going to do is sort of pick out some of the themes that are taking place. Now, notice in verse 10, it says this, be kindly affectionate. That's phileo love. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Phileo love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Does this verse stand out to you as weird? It should. It should be weird that we have to tell Christians to be nice to each other. Right? Is that a weird thing? We actually have to be told this. God has to say, you need to be kind to one another. You need to be, you need to have that kind of brotherly camaraderie among yourselves. You need to care about other people. The Bible never tells you to love yourself. It assumes you already do. And it says, add other people to that list right? There is somebody else that needs to be added to that list. It seems to be strange that we need to be told to love other Christians. And in this, the one another concept is vital to love actually taking place. There's no, there, none of this can happen without none of, uh, the one another. It's required for this to all work. I, I, I can't say, I love God, I just don't want anything to do with the church. That's hypocritical love. When people say that, they're acting in this hypocritical kind of a love. You can't claim to love God and hate what He loves. If you love God, you'll love what He loves. And here's just something to grasp. He loves His church. God loves His church so much, He's willing to give His only Son to die for the church. Jesus loves you, loves the church so much, He's willing to sacrifice Himself to torturous death. That's the depth of of love and the gravity of love that Jesus has. And so for me to say, well, I love God, I just don't really, I just don't really want anything to do with the church. That's hypocritical love. It's not true love. Now, there's a couple of ways that I, I just want to give you that you can do this. You can love the church. Just a, a couple of practical things for you. This, one of the things that we do with this is life groups. We, we meet, uh, throughout the week in small group communities where we get together, we eat together, we study the scriptures together, we pray together. This is a practical thing that we set up for you to do this, 
right? When you show up and you bring some food and, and you just contribute to what's happening there and you contribute your thoughts to the to what's happening and you pray for each other, right? We take prayer requests and I don't pray for all the prayer requests. I ask you to pray for one another because we get to love each other through that. When I actually ask you, how's your life going and what's going on with you? And we spend time together just talking and investing in each other's lives. This is the one of the practical ways that it works out. When I, when I say, yes, I'll take a part of the rotation for the child care throughout the week. That's part of loving one another, right? That, that's what we do at, at our life groups. There also, another way is Sunday mornings, right? There's a practical way you can do this for one another, that you can, you can help set up, you can help tear down, there's AV to jump into, there's music, uh, you know, you can be a part of the worship team. I mean, if, if you have a gift, okay? Like... <laughs> I know you have a great heart, but we can't mic your heart, okay? We have to mic your mouth. So if you just can't sing, well, praise the Lord. Well, God bless you. You know, aren't you precious? You can serve in kids' ministry, right? Being able to invest in another generation and to see them grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord as a greeter, as an usher, helping them in parking. Oh, there's tons of things to do. And these are practical ways... You can show that love for one another, right? It's, it's, you need you to serve. I don't need you to serve. You need you to serve. It's, it's how you get into the things that God wants for you. Here, here's a huge thing to just grasp. You can only learn half of what you need to know in times like this, where we're teaching and, and you're hearing preaching and you're going to life group for Bible study or whatever. The other half of what you need to grow in in Christ can only be taught through the lowly door of the servant. And if you will not get low enough to get through that door, you're only going to earn 50%. I don't care what school you went to, that's failing. (laughs) Maybe not today. They're like, it's on a curve. (laughs) You're still failing even if they give you a passing grade, right? You You can't learn it unless you go through the door of the servant. Now, verses 11 through 13, this is the how of how we're to honor and prefer one another in Christ. And the key concept is humility. Proud love is hypocritical love. That when I'm exalting myself, it's not love at all. It's actually a hypocritical kind of a love. Look at verse 11. It says this, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. That idea of fervent in spirit is the idea of boiling over. That's the concept that it's, that, that you're just so hot in your relationship with God that you, the water starts to boil in your soul and you can't help it. It just starts coming out and spilling all over other people. That there's this kind of fervency in your relationship as you serve the Lord, that love spills out on other people. You see, poor relationships with people are often an indication of a poor relationship with God. Another way to say it is, your vertical relationship with God is on display in your horizontal relationships with people. If your relationships with people are terrible, that is not an indication of your relationships with people. It's an indication of your relationships with God. And if that's not right, then there's no amount of try harder and do better that's going to uh, going to provoke you into being being a better person or a better Christian. You have to receive the love of God. You have to be in, in fellowship with Him. You have to see that Jesus and His death, His burial, His resurrection was for you. You have to enter into that relationship and stay in that relationship. And as you live under the blood of Jesus, you can't help it. It just fervently spills out 
on everybody else all around you. Notice in verse 12 the idea of being patient in tribulation. Who likes that one? <laughs> you ever, when was the last time you were in a trial and you're like, I can't wait to be patient? Don't we do the exact opposite? Doesn't trial give us an excuse to be a jerk? Isn't that what it actually does? Well, you just don't know what I'm going through. So I can be mean and rude and obnoxious. No, it's actually the opposite. When you enter into trials, you have an opportunity to enter into something that Jesus went through. That when we enter into his kind of suffering, his character is built in us in a totally different, unique way. You see, patience in tribulation is entering into and clinging closer to that relationship with Jesus. Verse 13 says this, distributing to the needs of the saints, being given to hospitality. You see, God's love flowing through you is to care for the concern of others. This has to be revealed in practical ways. Now, hospitality specifically means love for strangers. That's the idea. It's somebody you don't know. Here's what I want to do. I want to commission all of you to the ministry of hospitality, okay? I want our church to be a hospitable church. When you encounter a huge chasm or large canyon, it's hard to imagine that you could be connected to the other side due to the space and distance between where you are and where the other edge of the canyon is. But it's reassuring to know and to hear in Romans that nothing shall be able to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You've been listening to Redemption Radio today with Pastor Cody. As he's been teaching through the book of Romans, you get some insight into God's heart for you. There's no limit or no point where his love will come to an end when it comes to God's love and devotion to you. Do you find that hard to believe today? Read Romans 8 to remind you that God's love for you is endless. It's not like a human love that can fail or disappoint you. God's love is above that, and he cares for you better than anyone. Have you experienced that kind of love by God? We sure hope so. One of the most important ways to experience the love of God is through his family, the church. If you're not connected with the church, we invite you to join us this Sunday at Redemption Calvary. Head over to our website to get more information on directions, times, and even to subscribe to our podcast. Go to redemptioncalvary.org. We hope you'll continue learning and growing through this book of Romans. Pastor Cody will be back again next time to continue where he left off. So make sure to tune in again here on Redemption Radio.